Leadership. This is season two, episode, I don't even know what episode we're on at this point. A lot. There's, many. There's a lot. A lot. Um, But this is a special drop for our two special friends who I got to meet in person before we actually did our podcast together. Isn't that right, ladies? It is, and it was great. (laughs) It was great. And For your new BFFs, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, you guys are my new BFFs. And here's the deal. Carrie got to see me in the morning at Starbucks really early with Courtney because she brought me around town with no makeup on and my hair on top of my head. And she's like, don't worry, we're not going to see anybody. This is totally fine. And if you all know Courtney, you know that she's like the most popular girl in school. So everybody stopped us and was like, hey, how are you? I'm like, is this a joke? Are you serious? (laughs) This is not how I want to meet my new best friends. So I'm glad you guys accepted me at my lowest moment of life. Thank you. 100%. We're all about confidence around here, aren't we? Okay, everyone, get excited because today we have not only Dr. Crystal Johnson Maiden, who is the superintendent of Rossville at Alvin School District here in Illinois. And I can't wait to talk to Crystal because I was doing some research before we actually jumped on. (laughs) I was you. And I did some research, but we'll get to that. Yep, we're going to get to that. We also have Dr. Kiri Ruby, who is the superintendent of O'Fallon District 90 in southwestern Illinois. And these two women are powerhouse superintendents, but they're great friends, they're great colleagues, they're moms. We're going to hear all about them today. So without further ado, let's get to it. Ladies, first of all, welcome to Unsupervised Leadership. Second, Tell us a little bit about yourself and most importantly, what's your favorite drink? Crystal, we're gonna start with you. All right, Um, so mainly I focus on being mom and working. Um, So I feel like I'm really lame because that's really all my life consists of right now. Um, But nevertheless, never a boring moment. Favorite drink, this sounds um, horrible, but it's honestly coffee. It is my lifeline, it's what keeps me awake, it keeps me going and need it in the morning and again about two o'clock sometimes about five or six. (laughs) We hear a lot of superintendents say coffee is their favorite drink. Just so you know, there's a trend. I mean, I mean, there are other drinks as well, but coffee is a consistency in my life. (laughs) Thank you for your honesty. Carrie, you're up. Great to be on. Um, I'm one of your biggest fans from the beginning of your podcast. I've been listening every week and looking forward to it. And so it's just really an honor to be here um, joining you. So I am um, the mother of five beautiful children, ages 22 down to 12. So we stay very busy as well. I'm married to Scott, who is my best friend, Um, grew up as a daughter of educators. And so I kind of always laugh that I took on the family business and super proud to be able to do that. Um, So my favorite drink, I think, in addition to your future sponsor, uh, Blue Moon, by the way, Um, In addition to them, I really like, um, Scott and I like to go out for sushi and Taiku coconut sake is amazing with sushi. So that's my new favorite drink. Yeah. Oh, that's fancy. Isn't it? We have something to look forward to now. We do have sushi (laughs) restaurants by us. Yeah. Good. Try it. Try it. Yes. Okay, ladies. The one thing, well, I love a lot of things about you guys, but one of my favorite things about both of you is that you started your leadership journeys at what people would say is a young age. And I think that that's super important for our listeners to hear because I can't tell you how many times personally people have said to me, you're only X amount 
old. So you should really rethink that because you're not going to want to spend the rest of your life doing X, Y, and Z because you won't make it. And you two are the perfect example of how to prove people wrong. So if you wouldn't mind sharing with our listeners just about your leadership journey, how, I mean, you don't have to say how young you are, but if you want to, you can, and then any struggles that kind of came up or that you encountered because of that. So I'll start. Um, So I've been in education 26 years, please don't do the math, 26 years, and 18 of those have been as an assistant superintendent or superintendent. Um, So I did get into this specific role and central office role at a a young age. Um, I think at that point, I didn't realize how stressful it can be, but um, wanted to lead and kind of was always in a position to be able to take that next step in a district Um, you know, and through that time, I've raised a family, um, finished my doctoral coursework, and then, but being able to kind of take each step as it comes. So, you know, through the time I've had to face some pretty significant budget reductions, um, build an elementary school, pass referendum, you know, build leadership teams. And I think just being the kind of the way that I approached each situation was looking at what was best for that district at that time. Um, you know, and regardless of age, I think that when you do that, when you take on each step, um, you know, when we were going through some pretty significant budget reductions in one of my districts, I remember sitting, you know, behind a couple at church with my young family, um, sitting behind them, they were holding a newborn. And I thought to myself, okay, this challenging work that I'm right doing right now in this district will mean that it's there for, that those programs are there for that newborn. So kind of putting myself in, being able to say, I'm a young mom too, and I'm a young educator, and being able to see what do those families in front of me need? What are those families that are coming up behind my children need in this? Um, And I think the fact that I was a young educator, I could see that, I had that perspective, and could keep in touch with families. I love that. Way to go, Carrie. Thanks, Kate. (laughs) <laughs> Crystal, you're up. Um, so it was quite a journey. Um, so I'll be real honest. This November, I'm going to turn 40, and that scares me, but it's okay. So, uh, <laughs> so I, I moved. I moved from what I would call city life um, at the age of 26 to a rural community, and started as principal assistant superintendent, and then two years later took over um, as superintendent. Um, and I really felt like I spent a lot of time learning to act crazy, crazy. Um, people automatically thought just because I was coming in that I was young. And of course I had all these great ideas. So I thought, um, and there were a lot of challenges to that. Not only was I moving from a city, but I was adjusting to a rural community and being a young female. I don't feel like I had a lot of people pushing me, telling me, Hey, you need to do this because I was so young and I was surrounded by so many males. Um, so really, I think I developed the, I felt people felt like I couldn't do it. So I had to prove that I could. Um, But thankfully, I don't know why, but seven board members did believe in me and they gave me a chance. So um, I'm very thankful for that opportunity. And really that's what got me started at such a young age. I see. Great. It is great. And I did some research just like, (laughs) and I found an article. from. Yep. Mm -hmm. I found an article from July 7th, 2011. And the article was, and at age 28, Johnson has had the distinction of being the youngest Illinois schools superintendent. Oh, nice. Youngest superintendent in Illinois 
way back in 2011. How about it? Crystal, you're going to be 40. I'm so proud of you. Welcome to the club, man. Thanks. I would love to know what's been the youngest female. I mean, that's the youngest, but well, but I mean, over time, because I know there's other people who have been younger than me now. Um, Mm And what the, what the average ages of a female versus a male in the state of well, We will be super sleuths and look this up because now I'm interested. <laughs> we're going to do some more research. Yeah, we're, we're going to do some more research. But I mean, to all of our listeners that are listening right now, I hope you really heard that because those, both of your journeys, you did it all. Like you raised families, you were an administrator, you were a human, you were a good person, you were probably a great friend. So those things can happen. So don't let people around you tell you that they can't. Amen to that. I love that. This is two sitting superintendents right here who have proven otherwise to people who maybe doubted them. And we all self-doubt. So when you think of the biggest issues that are facing women in leadership right now from your two vantage points, what would you say? Carrie, you're up first. So I think women are by nature, typically very empathetic. So we try to put ourselves in someone else's shoes, try to feel something, understand what they're going through. And not that our that our male colleagues aren't empathetic. I'm not suggesting that. But I think that's a strength that we have when we come to leadership because we can really, like I said, I can kind of look at that family sitting in front of me and say, what are they going through? We, you know, what are they experiencing? The challenge with that in these positions is that it makes it very stressful because we're always putting ourselves in that position of that person or that challenging situation. Um, But women often, because we're empathetic, we also want to be liked. I think our male colleagues often want to, you know, they look for respect. They want to be respected for their authority or respected for their leadership, which is fantastic. And we do as well, but we often want to be liked. And so when there's a challenging situation and you're, you're approaching for example, a budget reduction or, you know, uh, a riffing of a situ- uh, uh, some staff members, that can be really challenging when you're feeling empathy, you're, you're experiencing that with that person. And so um, being able to make tough decisions can be challenging when you're feeling what that person might be feeling, or you're feeling very empathetic. And so those are some challenges that we face as women, I think that might be different from some of our male colleagues. Good one. Crystal, you're up. I think um, we live in a digital world and you feel more and more pressures as a superintendent, but also as a mom. Um, If you get on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook or whatever it may be, you're seeing all these things that you think you should be doing as a mom. I have a five-year-old and an eight-year-old. So um, remembering to do all the special things for every holiday or every birthday and making every occasion special. Um, and then also the superintendent side of it, seeing what their school districts are doing, how much they're progressing, the great things that are happening and the initiatives within their districts. But being able to stop myself and recognize that that's not all reality. Um, and while those are great things happening at those moments in time, it does not mean that it needs to constantly be happening in my life 24 um, 7. So just trying to create that balance because I think um, living in a digital world, we get more and more pull to be yeah. perfect. You're right about that because L is nine and I was on Facebook and I saw all these people at pumpkin patches and I was like, I'd rather stick needles in my eyeballs than to go to a pumpkin patch right now. (laughs) 
but I she would want to go and I'm like oh wow I mean I think that that's just that's people talk and then we go and we fight and we're trying to get the perfect picture and I'm like no you are gonna smile right now you're gonna have a little camera and everybody's crying by the time it's over with and nothing was perfect but I'll post the picture and it's gonna look good and not only are they have the pumpkin patch they made special cookies to take to the pumpkin patch and they have outfits that match and they have Mm -hmm. who has time for all that right yeah. Exhausting. Not me. Not me. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. No thanks. Okay. So ladies, first of all, I just love that. Cause I don't think enough people talk about that being on social media and the way that, you know, your life should look or what you should be doing. I think everybody struggles with that, especially women. Cause you always think, I wish my body looked like this. I wish that I had this. I wish my house was bigger. I wish I had a different job. So that is something that I think everybody, no matter if you're in education or not, and you're listening probably struggles with speaking of struggles. I know you probably both have some good stories with this question, but did you ever face any biases as a female leader when you started in your leadership position or even now it could be at any time. Have you ever felt like what the heck, like this should not be happening to me, but it is. And do you want to share that story with our listeners and how you overcame that? So Kate, I had that when I, um, during an interview one time, one time when I was, so I was young, um, I'm not very tall (laughs) and I was, you know, female obviously. And, um, I was asked in an interview one time, um, by a a male interviewer, um, if I could address the gender question and I paused and said, I'm sorry, I don't think I heard that right. Luckily it was a team interview and a board member sitting next to this person. This has been many, many years ago said, you can't ask her that question. And mm-hmm. that person knew that where it was headed. Um, but I, I also knew what was implied by that is how can I address some tough issues based on, the, you know, when I'm young and female, how can I address those? Cause I knew, I knew this person well enough to know that that's where it was headed. Um, I think that sometimes that's an immediate question is, you know, this is a, this is a very, um, you know, challenging position but has a lot of responsibility, has a lot of prestige, you know, the, the superintendency as, as, a, as a position. And so when, you know, how are you going to face those challenges? I think he was headed in that direction that, to ask that question about how can you handle this? Or perhaps it was more of a question of how can I raise a young family and things like that. And I think that comes back to confidence. You know, fortunately, I feel like my parents raised me to be a confident leader, to speak out when I feel like you know, it needs, I need to, but also know when to, confidence is also knowing when to be quiet, when it, when to listen, um, because I had that growing up, because I had that built in um, from caring educators who were my parents, I think I was able to not let that ruffle me, not, you know, his, this judgment that I was feeling at that moment, not let that ruffle me and being able to express, um, you know, that yes, I am uh, confident enough to take this on. So, um, that, yeah, I think uh, I think when you talk to your female colleagues, we've heard stories after stories of types of situations like that. Crystal, um, so when I entered into the administration, I, I think I was still principal getting ready to be superintendent, and I did not have kids at that time. So I constantly heard a lot that you don't have kids, so you want to understand. Um, specifically, I had a um, board member. And at that time I had gotten pregnant and had a miscarriage. And so I had a board member who came in to me and he said, don't think, I don't know about your miscarriage. It's a small town. People talk. And I kid you not. 
I don't even think it was a week later, he walked into my office and he was mad about a decision I made with his kid. And he said, someday when you have kids, maybe you'll understand. Wow. Um, so I think that is just one of those moments that just stands out in my mind of how trying sometimes the superintendency, especially as a female can be in administration and why it is so important that we pull together and we share these stories um, because there is strength in sharing your story. Yeah. First of all, I'm so sorry that that happened to you. And second of all, thank you for sharing with our listeners, because there's probably some other people that have had similar situations or felt that way and then feel like, do am I right to feel this way? Maybe I'm overreacting. Maybe I didn't hear the person the right way. I think like we do that all the time. All right? of those went through my head at the time. Yep. Or reason with like, no, someone really wouldn't say that to me. Like yeah. I'm going to figure something else out, but thank you for sharing that. That's the world that we're living in. And I think this leads perfectly into our next question. I think some of the things that we talk about in the stories that Crystal and Carrie are sharing with us today are still happening to females in leadership. And it's why we are so committed to putting people out there and asking them to share their stories like the two of you today. So I also know that both of you have agreed to be my partners in crime with a great new initiative in Illinois called Elevate. And Elevate is the first of its kind, first ever women in leadership cohort in the state of Illinois. And I reached out to both Carrie and Crystal and said, would you like to come on this journey with me to bring women together? They both immediately said yes. And so the three of us, but more importantly, the two of them will be the coordinators of the event. So the people behind the scenes, making sure that things happen and bringing this to light. I want both of you to talk about what is your passion when it comes to creating Elevate? What should women in leadership, female superintendents in Illinois expect out of that cohort and why should they apply? So uh, Crystal, let's start with you. What I love is I love the name itself, Elevate, because when I think of Elevate, I picture somebody rising above um, with something shining down on them and putting them in the spotlight. And I think that that's what Elevate is all about, is putting each other in the spotlight, putting ourselves in the spotlight. And yes, it's okay to say we are putting ourselves in the spotlight. Um, And then also putting the superintendency in the spotlight, um, highlighting the great things that we're all doing uh, boosting our confidence and focusing on you know those areas that we may not be as confident in or that we are fearful of and how can we support each other um, and celebrate ourselves and the superintendency. Carrie, what about you? Yeah, so I think anyone who's ever been part of a cohort understands how special that can be. Um, you know, cohorts are designed to support and pull one another up on the tough days, but then you know, elevate. And and like Crystal said, that just in one word, I think it ca- captures all that this will become. Um, but a cohort is special because you have a network, a group of people that can really support one another. And I think anybody that's been part of a cohort understands how beautiful that can be. Um, so our goal is to reach out because we understand that, you know, it's important as, as female leaders, not just to support one another. And kind of our, our logo has a circle. And that's very intentional. The logo for the Elevate cohort has a circle. And you know, we're we're building up that circle, that cohort of, of group of people, but then also turning behind us to reach out and bring others back in and support those that might be struggling. Cause uh, you know, as you mentioned, Courtney, there are women with these stories out there 
and feeling very alone. And sometimes a leadership position can be very isolating. So instead of isolating and, you know, trying to deal with whatever challenges or, or whatever, you know, biases are brought to our table to support one another, I think that's the goal in what we're creating and what we're about to become together. It sounds great, guys. I, you know, it's like a secret group that I can't be a part of yet, but I love to hear about all the cool things they're going to do. <laughs> okay, stop. No, I'm glad that she said that because one of the things when the, the three of us got together, I was like, first of all, does everyone recognize that we are all blonde and our first names all start with C? <laughs> okay. Yeah, have like a game. Second, one of the things that we were really committed to was to not have this be clicky. Mm-hmm. And to not have this be some type of secret society. Oh, look at them. Oh, look, you know, look at these women together because we know that that is an easy perception for people to make. So we're going to do absolutely everything that we can to give back to our overall profession and not have this be some clicky group of women. So thank you for saying that, Kate. That was even (laughs) off script and way to go. Cause that's true. You guys are welcome. Wow. I'm really doing a good job today. Um, okay. Ladies. So uh, going on that tangent, cause we love a good tangent. So you all have been in education for a while. You've probably worked with millions of women or have encountered millions of women. And just like Crystal said earlier, a lot of times women are not nice to each other. So even though we should support each other, we often find that women might be sitting there thinking, oh, I wish that was me speaking or look at her. She doesn't even do that good of a job. Or how did she get this job? Or how did she get this position? Um, And we've had a lot of women on the podcast come on and talk about feeling judged or being judgy towards each other. How do you feel about this and how do we make it better for women in general in our arena? Would you say like, what's your piece of advice? So I think it's born of a lack of confidence from that person. You know, typically when we see the mean girls or the judginess of, you know, that that person is is doubting themselves somehow, but coming across in a very judgy way and a very um, you know, condescending manner. And I think it's unfortunate that women do that to one another. I think it's unfortunate that we see, we might see someone else's strength and think, well, we have to tear that down. Um, and I think we have to be intentional. I think we have to be intentional about supporting one another and intentional about stopping that behavior because it is kind of a natural uh, progression if we let it happen. And so we have to be intentional about how do we stop that? So we're pretty intentional, I think, in schools about telling our girls not to treat each other that way. So we talk to the young kids about, you know, let everyone be part, you know, don't, everyone has something to give. Let's not be mean girls to each other. And so we're really intentional as educators about stopping the behavior when, when children are young, but then as adults, do we start to emulate that ourselves? When you, you know, kind of doubt yourself or something, do you look at someone else who looks like they're confident and start to break that down and say, well, why is she in that? You know, why does she get to be on the podcast? Why does she get to be part of this? And so we have to stop that intentionally. And I think that's what our leadership efforts, our women in leadership efforts in the state of Illinois have been ever since we've gotten a group together to say, let's talk, let's support each other. Let's intentionally support one another and pull one another up because it only does, all it does is uh, build women as a whole up. And so that helps everyone. And it's a benefit to everyone if we support one another. Thanks for saying that, Carrie, because I want you to know something. 
if people are listening right now and you want to come on this podcast, you should reach out to me or Kate and say, Hey, I'd like to come on the podcast. Cause we have yet to have anyone on this podcast that we didn't personally go out and ask. Mm-hmm. We might have people say they listen, but we've never had someone say, you know what? I got something to say. I want to come on your podcast. So yeah. if you're out there and you want to, all you have to do is reach out to us at unsupervisedleadership at yahoo.com. <laughs> and I do check it all the time, guys. So don't think no, I'm going to miss your email. <laughs> she checks it like once a week. Okay, Crystal. Oh, no, I do a better job. It's on my phone now. Stop it. Okay. Anyways, back to our guest, Crystal. <laughs> it's Europe. <laughs> all right. So I'm going to give a shout out to Sarah Bocek um, and her work that she does with the invisible backpack. Um, I think, you know, people in general can be mean often. And sometimes we forget the, um, weight that we are all carrying in our own individual backpacks. And so if you can just try to be a nice, kind human and remembering that, um, what you may see is not always what's really happening with the person in front of you. So there's a lot going on, um, that we don't know about each other. So just be kind, be nice humans. Sounds so easy. Yeah, it does sound so easy and we're not, it's why we talk about it all the time. Yeah. Right. Okay. So as we begin to wrap up, we believe that you two are F4 leaders. What's an F4 leader? It's someone who's fun, fabulous, fierce, and female. And we believe that is the two of you. As we begin to close out today, number one, do you have, what is in five words or less, your very best piece of advice for women in leadership? That's my first question. And number two, who are the F4 leaders that you're following or that you think our listeners should be following? Carrie, we'll start with you. So I think if I had to sum up what we can do in just a few words is maybe it's to say, tap on the shoulder, like reach out to your colleagues. You know, and I think we need to do that to one another, to ourselves, tap on the shoulders. The only reason that, you know, I, I'm in this position is because Courtney said, hey, join, you know, join this group. I'm, you know, be on our podcast, join this, you know, let's do this. She tapped us on the shoulder. And sometimes because we, we might doubt ourselves or not have the confidence, we're not necessarily stepping out. So being able to tap someone on the shoulder and say, I think you could do this or reach out to someone that I think you could be part of this elevate cohort, or I think you could be up on that stage sharing your story because there's some really great stories out there that aren't being told yet. And so tap on the shoulder, I think is the next step for us as colleagues. And that is to compliment someone to reach out and say, Hey, I think you're doing a great job with this or to, um, you know, ask someone to share their story or share their experiences and their knowledge. Um, I think that's something that we can do. Um, and my favorite F4 leaders, I have so many that, that I feel like are doing some great things and really supporting each other. There are a few, um, F4 leaders that Dr. Sheila Boozer, who's over in Champaign, she's fantastic, has always been somebody who supports me and um, has just been a great friend and colleague. Dr. Jill Griffin, who's in Bethalto, she's phenomenal. Um, Dr. Beth Horner, who's in Highmount. They're just, you know, when you when you think about people who are supporting each other and reaching out and saying, hey, I think this is great that you're doing that and feeling um, that cohort, that that sisterhood and that bond that we all need every day. But I also think we probably should shout out, don't you think, Courtney, two F4 leaders, um, Madeline McCune and Emily Warnicke, and that awesome work that they're doing with our legislators and as a whole throughout the state of Illinois. I think they're just doing some great work. Well said. Crystal? That's great. So I was, also, I was also going to share a quote. I guess, you know, what I try to remember each and every day is courage doesn't mean I don't get afraid. It just means I don't let fear stop me. Um, and, you know, there is fear every day in our lives that we face. 
And I just choose to take on one of those fears each and every day. There's something new that I'm going to take on. Fab four leaders, I'm going to go with our, our two other uh, county female superintendents, Alicia Geddes, who is at Danville uh, School District, and then Jean Neal, who is at Georgetown Ridge Farm uh, superintendents. Um, both great superintendents, done great work in their districts. We don't always get to see each other um, just due to the size of our county, but I know that they're always there. I love that. How can people follow the two of you if they'd like to do that? They're both like, do you want my address? Twitter. And I think it's Superintendent Crystal. It's, I think, what it is. I think my Twitter is at Carrie underscore Ruby. Yep, absolutely. Don't worry, we'll tag you in this episode. John, <laughs> so that you'll get a lot of new friends. Oh, thank oh you. good, good. Yeah, I we have do. to admit, I'm not the I'm not the greatest at keeping up on it, but it is fun to be able to share and. And, you know, you reach out, you, you meet people and you hear stories and um, it is fun to connect to people on social media um, and learn about them. We really want to thank both Carrie and Crystal for coming on the podcast today. Thanks to all of these F4 leaders that continue to reach out and celebrate and elevate. If you have any questions about that Elevate cohort, reach out to Carrie and Crystal or myself. And uh, I'm going to go ahead to turn it over to Kate right now so she can sign us out of this episode. All right, everybody. We just met our two new best friends. I met them in person. We met them online. They're just as great both ways. If you needed an inspirational quote to get you through the day, they're both great humans. Be kind always and support each other. And don't forget, if you don't have a seat at the table, you can always sit with us. That's right. Tune in next time for Unsupervised Leadership. Thank you.